Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. Think like a startup in the sense that, you know, you need to be nimble. You need to be willing to pivot. You have the funds. You need to deploy them correctly by you just maintaining um, and doing the status quo of what you did prior to COVID. You're going to die. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. If hosting this show has made one thing incredibly clear, it's that teamwork, data, and resources will be what help us thrive post-pandemic. Understanding that, Yelp and I have created a cheat sheet, offering insight into consumer behavior, popular trends, and free tools and resources to help you get open and stay open. You can download that guide at joshcopel.com forward slash resources. Didn't write that down? There's a link in the show notes as well. You've got to bet big to win big. In 2019, Daniel Shemtop leveraged millions to build the hospitality empire of his dreams food trucks to fine dining and even a catering company. He's focused on absolute domination of the industry. Daniel built a big ship and now he's got to captain it through an economic disaster. On this episode, we cover the lessons he's learned over the last four months and the plan he's created to thrive in the future. Let's start by talking about 2019. Can you walk me through uh, the big moves that you made in 2019? Yeah, absolutely, Josh. So 2019 was a big year for me. Um, I bought out my founding partner in my fast casual restaurants, TLT. And I also acquired uh, three catering brands that were under one roof to expand uh, my catering that we've uh, grown over the past couple of years, over the past five years. And you launched so, a shoe brand? Oh yeah, well that, <laughs> that technically launched uh, first quarter of this year. But uh, yeah, the shoe brand that I've been working on for four years, um, it launched uh, first quarter of 20, uh, 2020. So like the last quarter was really kind of putting the pieces together to be ready to launch. Um, and then I have my Japanese restaurants, my food truck. So it's, um, it was definitely an ambitious, uh, ambitious and exciting year uh, in 2019. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur in the hospitality industry, within the hospitality industry? Or do you consider yourself a restaurateur that, that has ventured out into other things? Ah, interesting question. Um, I think at my heart of hearts, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I think that it just so happened that hospitality is ingrained in me and I, I get a lot of um, release, like a lot of joy out of hospitality. And so it was where I uh, started. And I think it will always be a core value of any company I start um, because I think nurturing and customer care is important, whatever you're doing. Um, but I think in the lifeline of my career, um, you know, I think hospitality will be uh, a large segment, but won't be everything as as far as what defines me as an entrepreneur. You made big moves and big bets in 2019. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's the conversation though, right? Um, It is, you know, now we find ourselves in the midst of a global pandemic uh, paired with civil unrest. And, you know, I, I, to start that conversation, I want to know what your goals were January of 2020. And I want to know how that's evolved over the last 90 to 120 days. 
Yeah. So when 2020 started, um, I was really optimistic. I mean, we, you know, we were building out my C-level team. Uh, we were looking to scale and continue to grow the restaurants, really integrate the uh, catering companies. So it was a, a lot of the foundation was built in 2019 and 2020 was let's, let's build up the walls. Let's put in the insulation. Really, let's, let's start to make this thing um, sustainable so that we can grow. And obviously, you know, quickly into 2020, I realized that that was uh, not happening. And a lot of the things and initiatives we worked on um, that we started to get traction on all kind of went out the window. And over the last 90 to 120 days, what I redefined as my goals was not necessarily um, like a dollar amount or um, an intention to do something very specific, but it was how do we rethink the ethos of everything we've built so that it works for us going forward? Because I felt like I was working for the system and not working the system and not making the system work for me. And so the big realization going into this next quarter and going into the goals to finish out the year is how do we restructure so that we're happy, we're successful, we're effective. Um, and so it really meant simplifying a lot. And so our initiatives went from, you know, our rocks that we use in our world as goals. Uh, they went from, you know, 12 to 15 a quarter to four, three. So we, sh we shaved it down by 75% and narrowed our focus in on what we believe in. Um, and so that's been a big difference for us. And I think um, as I've been talking to more uh, operators in, in, our, in our world, in the hospitality space, I, I feel like a lot of people are having the same realization, which is I don't want to just go back into the machine. I want to, I want to now start to, to divide and conquer and, and make the machine uh, really work for me. Well, and has there been a change in perspective in terms of like assets and liabilities? I'll give you a great example. Uh, Proven Proper is a two-story flat iron building, probably one of the most beautiful buildings in the city, 6,000 square feet, tons of space. And I've always seen it as an asset. But now I look at it and I'm like, this is a lot of space. This is a little big, right? Do I really need all this? I don't, ha I don't even have a parking lot. Like, where, what are we going to do about that? You know, and, and so it, it's really reframed, you know, what I saw is, is critically valuable to, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the case. It's, uh, you know, the, the more, you know, the, the things that are crushing me the hardest right now are my fixed costs. Um, you know, the catering I love because most of it is variable. And so when we, you know, scale up, we scale down. Luckily, there's only so many fixed costs um, in, in running that company. But now the rents are the, what's really, really scaring me. And luckily, you know, we have the PPP, we have landlords who are willing to work with us. But that's a short term solution. And so I do look at it very similarly, which is, you know, things that used to be assets like, you know, really great uh, walking location where you're paying seven, eight bucks a foot, which you would really happy about, uh, you know, a year ago because it demanded so much traffic. Now you're not even allowed to service the traffic. And so, yeah, I mean, it makes you rethink a lot of things. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really honing in on... Um, sharpening our craft and, and narrowing our focus, which I think also has to do with assets and liabilities, because, you know, if you're taking on too much, then that, that same thing, which is, could have been an asset is now a liability. And so you have to be a lot more particular. I'm a lot more weary. I don't know if you've been getting um, new opportunities through COVID, but they've been coming in, which has been not surprising. I think anytime there's big shifts in the market, new opportunities will arise. Mm -hmm. And, um, my, my old response was always, yes, and then let's figure out how to do it. And my new response is, 
let me feel how it is in my heart space. Let me feel how it is on paper. Let me talk to my mentors. Like there's so much more consideration um, because of that variance between asset and liability. You know, I've had the same exact experience and I've always been a yes guy and I've said no to almost every opportunity that's crossed my path. Uh, I, I have always struggled. What I, one of the things I've realized through the pandemic is I've always struggled with focus. I like, I'm a restaurateur. I like to work 80 to hundred hours a week and I like to be busy. Um, but busy isn't successful. Busy isn't profitable. Busy is just busy. It's not even focused, you know? And, and so I, I, I've had to hone down and pare down. And I, I, I know that, you know, you, you've implemented EOS in your business as well. And what I found is that in paring down from 15 objectives from, for the quarter to three, I'm actually able to accomplish those and push a little bit further on those objectives. And that's been hugely valuable for me. Yeah. What are the, yeah, I definitely say so. What are the best decisions you've made in the last 90 days? Ooh, best decisions I've made in the last 90 days. Um, I, I don't know if it's as much of a decision or as it was a lucky situation, but I, I made sure to get my EIDL loans um, because there's no loans you'll ever get with those kind of interest rates and terms. Um, and so fund your business. I mean, that was one of the biggest things we discussed internally was if we're going to make it through this, we need as much runway as possible. And so let's make sure we're properly capitalized. And then the second part that I think I'm, I'm proud of uh, as, a, as an individual and as an entrepreneur is that I didn't, I, at first I was acting out of fear and I was like, don't spend a dollar here. Don't spend 30 cents here. Let's not do this. Let's not do that. And I was very cautious. And I realized that now that I have the funding and for those you know, people listening who actually are able to secure some kind of uh, runway, you're properly capitalized. You understand the landscape of the market, whether we, you know, capacity goes back to hundred percent in a year, three months, six months, there's some variables, but you get kind of the general gist of what's going on. Think like a startup in the sense that, you know, you need to be nimble. You need to be willing to pivot. You have the funds, you need to deploy them correctly by you just maintaining um, and doing the status quo of what you did prior to COVID, you're going to die because you, you aren't able to, to get the Friday and Saturday night traffic. That was the reason why you were mm -hmm. successful. And so for me, it was, I need to reshift our focus. You know, at Hatch, my Japanese restaurant that's uh, in your neighborhood, I, we talked deeply with the guys and, and I was like, you know, let's come up with the plan. And it was such a simplistic plan, but I think it really resonated, which is, Bars aren't open right now because they have to serve food in Los Angeles. Some bars have food, some bars don't. But if we've been trying to roll out this late night program forever, let's, let's jump on it. Let's create a great late night vibe. And when the bars are able to open, if we were able to actually target a demo and give them a good experience, maybe we can keep that momentum going. And that extra four or five hours of revenue uh, a week uh, will complement or, or make up for the fact that we lost 40% of our dining Right. And so these simple little concepts and yeah, we have to deploy money and we have to, we're going to try to get a, a cool, like, you know, situation for the evenings to create a vibe and that all costs money, but it's really thoughtfully like processed. And also, um, you know, we're thinking about it in a way where, how are we going to grow into the things we want to be over the next couple of years? But you also got super charitable, which, you know, <laughs> when, when, which is just shocking, right? And look, amazing people have done amazing things and you're one of them. But money is a very finite thing in this moment. And walk me through the thought process in, hey, we're low on cash. Let's give away a bunch of food and shoes. 
Yeah, I know, right? Um, so that was a very unique decision. Um, and luckily, I have some great people around me who, uh, who help kind of fuel the fire for me. But what happened was when COVID hit, obviously, uh, I was devastated. I bought two companies last year for millions of dollars. Uh, those companies went from doing whatever revenue they were doing to uh, 10% of what they did before. And, um, you know, one of them I, I only bought six months ago. So it was it was really difficult. And on top of that, a company I've been working on for four years that I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, multiple trips to China, really put like my whole soul into that business, launched one week before the full shutdown. And it's targeted towards hospitality workers, a chef's shoe, a doctor's shoe, a nurse's shoe. And so I realized at that moment, I had two options. I either could feel defeated, which there was days where I felt so defeated, or I can rise up to the occasion, be a leader for my team, show them that in the face of opposition, there's still positivity, there's still things we can do to get out this other side. And, and whatever the good outcome that comes out of it, it's, it doesn't matter because together we banned and we, we said, hey, we understand the circumstances are shitty around us, like, but let's, let's change the outcome. And I noticed that right away, my team was so excited to get back into the kitchen. And they, like, the goodwill that I got from giving out the shoes and the food, I mean, I just got asked to be on a Univision award show for it. Like, you know, it was, and that wasn't the intention. I didn't even ask for funding. I didn't even get any PR. I just was like, hey, I want to give my guys hours. I, I, I made shoes for people who work on their feet for long periods of time. Let's just give them to the people who need them. And the goodwill will come back in whatever ways it comes back. And it did. And so the last part, which I thought was, I think the final fuel to the fire was, I was talking to my mentor and my mentor is one of the most positive people. He's just a beam of light. So, so blessed to have him. And he said something like, hey, Daniel, you inspire me. Right now, I'm dealing with a lot. He owns a... Um, a I think he's a large owner of an airline in Mexico. And, and he, he was, I know he's going through a lot of difficulty and he's also trying to help the people. And he was like, you inspire me right now. You bring all this positivity when I know how much stress you should be under. It makes me feel like I can get through it. And you need to set that example for other people. And I think that last bit of inspiration was like, okay, we'll spend whatever we need to spend. We'll, we'll do it. We'll try to be as reasonable, like, you know, as careful as we can with the cost, but let's just do it. And we did. And it was awesome because we got out 1,500 meals, thousands of inquiries, hundreds of shoes sent out. And I think we spent about 20,000, which is not a small amount of money, but for how many people we impacted, um, it's pretty cool. That's amazing. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. So you own food trucks, you own a catering business, you own a fine dining restaurant, you own a fast cat, you own multiple fast casual concepts, uh, and you own a shoe company. Who do you think is which, which of your children do you think is going to fare best coming out of the pandemic and why? Um, that's a good question. You know, they all are going to have different ways to come back. Uh, we've had an offline conversation about what the dining scene is going to look like when it comes back. I was blown away this past Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we reopened the fine dining and we had a full house every night. Um, we had to wait and people were very calm and, and collected, but they also really wanted to be out and you can tell. And so I don't know which one um, is going to do the best out of the sense, like, because everything's so different, but I know that people are looking for experiences. People are looking to engage. And so I think if you can highlight those experiences, they're going to be great. Catering, I think is going to take the longest because in, cater in the catering business, you make all your money from 
200 person events, 300 person events, the larger scale events is where you make good, good money. Um, and so when you're only able to focus on small events, um, it's going to take a longer rebound. And so we've been getting events, but we're talking 20, 30 people. And so it hasn't been, um, too great. And then the shoes, uh, luckily we sold out. I mean, we sold out of women's in, in six weeks, 3000 pairs and men's are going to sell out soon. And we, we have a big reorder. So I think Snibs is luckily, uh, has the widest net. And so it will do the best probably post COVID. But when it comes to like the hospitality brands, I think the fine dining is going to start off being the most successful and then probably catering in the long term. Do you still feel that compulsion to scale? Do you want more restaurants, more businesses? more? Because we talked about it before, like we're, we're friends. And, you know, I, I've, I've always wanted more. Once I had a bar, I wanted a fine dining restaurant. Once I had that, I wanted a fast casual concept. Then I started a restaurant services business and a tech company. And, 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 I just, I wanted, I wanted to be this magnate. I wanted to be huge. Right. Mm. And now I see the value in being small and nimble. Do you feel the need to scale up? Do you feel the need to scale back? Or are you happy with what you have? Well, let's take a step back. You're still huge. No matter what, what, what business you're running, <laughs> no matter what you're doing, your personality is infectious and, and you're able to, to walk into a room and automatically everyone knows you're there. So on a side note, um, but on a, um, on an ability to answer that question. Um, you know, it's tough. I want more because I realized what I love. I love my favorite thing in the world is coming up with an idea and doing the, the most difficult part, which is the first 36 months and getting it to a startup phase. Um, and so that is a sick, like a joy because it's typically the hardest, the most likely to fail. Um, you know, you have everything against you, you have no infrastructure. So you have to do almost everything. Um, but it speaks to my personality and I know that I get a lot of joy out of that. And so I think I will always want to start more businesses. I think what I'm going to learn from this is I need to be a lot more selective because I think even one project every two years, one new project is more than we can handle. And I, I think you've been running at two a year or, or more, and I've been running mm -hmm. at about one to two a year. And so I think we've been biting off a little more than we should. And that's where the scaling down could come. Um, and then as far as expansion, like with the current brands, um, I think put it on hold. I mean, it's not the right time, I think, to go out and expand because there's too much out there that's unknown unless you really know your market. Like, um, you know, I feel like for someone who's been doing really well pre-COVID and they're a growing brand, I don't think you should let COVID stop you. I think you need to focus on your long-term goals and just be really careful and smart, but continue to expand. But I think for us, you know, we were we were kind of like on, on the kind of the border of like, where should we, should we continue growing? Should we really try to like change some of the, the, the inner parts of the concept and, and focus on this and focus on that. So I think for us, when there was so much question, you know, we've had the fast casual restaurants for eight years. I think it was just more, not necessarily scale, but rethink what's going to work best in our structure. And then at that point, we can look at scaling or, and, and not. But I think for me, it was like, I need to take a step back and rethink about everything because right now it, it doesn't all work. And I think I got luck. I mean, I, I'll say this very clearly and I, I hope you other people out there in the world uh, can feel this as well. But I, I, I honestly don't think pre COVID I was crushing uh, pre COVID. We were doing well, we were profitable. Our stores were doing, you know, uh, like 600 to 1200 a foot, which is what you want in the, in the restaurant world. But 
I wasn't making money hand over fist. I wasn't uh, like working no hours. I was working my ass off. I was, uh, you know, trying everything in the world to make those restaurants more successful. And I just felt like I was spinning my wheels. And so I feel like, yeah, it's devastating. The pandemic in itself is devastating, but the ability to reset is rare and is, is very special. And, and if you don't take this time to reset, I think you squandered, you squandered a, a real lucky, um, a time in the world. I agree. I, I think this is a huge opportunity to reevaluate, reset, and recalibrate. Yeah. Who, who, what people and brands and companies are you inspired by in this moment? Uh, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, what brands am I inspired by at this moment? What, what, people, what people? You know, um, I don't know. I, ha- I haven't been looking too, uh, too much outwards out right now just because of kind of like the world is in a, in a unique state. And to be honest, I'm kind of tired of, of getting founder emails that say like, Oh, this is what we're doing now, or this is what we're doing now, or this is what we did then. You know, it's, it's been a little bit noisy. Um, but I, I know that there's companies that I admire, like I think sweet green, you know, I sat down with one of the CEO John and I listened to how he perceives his business and it was levels really like beautiful levels to how he, um, he situates everything. And I think the most inspiring thing that I got away from was he looks at his own staff as the prize piece of his, of his empire. He doesn't look at the fact that he has all these great customers, all this great tech, you know, but he looks at how his culture is what he's most proud of in his company. And that's what we sat and talked about when I said, tell me about the one thing you're the most proud about in your company. And so I think what I've learned and maybe what I've ignored because I'm such a head down type of worker is the culture needs to be reinstated. And that's the inspiration. And so companies that are really focused on culture, I, I've never been that person. I've always had a good culture because I believe in my people and I inspire, I, I inspire and I also like to get uh, everybody's opinion in, in the company because I think it creates a more cohesive brand. But outside of that, I, I really want to focus in now and, and restructure the, the people and, and get inspired by that. So if you have any great people that you think um, – or inspirational in that way, you know, send it my way. But I think that's, that's where I'm, I'm really focusing now. Are you afraid? Yeah, big time. I'm big time afraid. Uh, I, I put more on the line in my whole entire life than I've ever done before. And uh, if I fail, um, you know, I'll get through it. Of course I will. But the extent of the, the challenges from the fails and, and the, the backlash, um, the ripples that it creates is, is going to be huge for my career. Um, it will put me back 10 years. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I, yeah, I would say this is, this is an interesting time. You know, it's, uh, the, the good news is, is that, um, I feel more confident than I've ever felt in my abilities. Um, the scary thing is I realize that it's not always in your control anymore. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I had a great manager at Proven Proper, really, really good guy. And I had a conversation with him several months back. And I was like, you know, you're a great manager. I really want to help you work to become a great leader. And he goes, well, I am a great leader. And I said, you're a great manager. Um, And he goes, well, but my people love me. You know, That's, that's what being a great leader is. And I said, the only way you'll know if you're a great leader or not is if you know where you're leading them. So where are you taking them? And my question to you would be, where are you leading your team? 
Mm, good question. Uh, I'm going to be leading my team into a successful work dynamic where we all make money, we all get to have quality of life, and we all enjoy coming to work. Um, that was that was the goal going into this next season, um, and I think it's easier said than done. But one of the things that I've been working on is a company bonus pool structure, which we've never had before. I've always given individual structures, but I like the idea of giving a little bit more to the group. Um, and then also, um, you know, we've always had really great policies for vacation times, really great policies for if you need to take time off, like personal time off. It's always been kind of loose because our number one core value is work hard. So if you're mm-hmm. saying you need time off, then, you know, we're going to trust that you do because you typically work very hard. Um, now I want to start putting it more into writing and make it the ethos of our brand. Not that you learn after six months of working with us that we're very lax about a lot of things, but really build that into the system of what we're doing and, and share that with the people. And, um, I think that, you know, when you say the leader versus manager, one of the things that comes to my own mind is that I have an amazing team, like some of the best people I I think. And, they are individual thinkers. Uh, I don't micromanage my teams, but I have I've yet to see them come to the table and say, these are my initiatives, totally rel- like, like independent of me. It always takes me to inspire and tell them where we're going and then them to follow. And I think my big goal, and when I say like where I'm leading them is, I want to be able to have them come to me and say, this is what I wanted to work on for, the, for my department. This is what mm-hmm. I wanted to do for my leadership team. And I think that's my big goal um, and that's where I'm leading to. So like that's the isolated thing that I want to come out of it. And I think the, the macro version of that is a better quality of work life. The micro version of that is individual initiatives that are really like derived from them and not an EOS implementer or me implementing my thought process to get that back. And so um, I think that's the dream. It's like when you have employees that really take ownership of, of what they're doing, regardless of, of my involvement or what I say. I, I love that. And I, you know, I, I resonate with culture 100%. That's been the foundation of my businesses as well. What does it look like six months from now? Not for the industry, but for your businesses, you'll be reopened. Uh, are your prices the same? Is your labor model the same? Are you, you leveraging tech to bring more humanity in while cutting overhead? What does it look like? Those are good questions. Uh, so interestingly enough, uh, when it comes to the catering, I think the only difference is that we're going to do a lot more micro events. And so we're going to create micro event packages that are like more specific to like 30 to 50 people events. Um, because I think the budgets are similar, but the guest counts are less. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can do a more fancy special kind of like small event. Um, the one part I'm going to caveat is we don't know the impact of uh, half of our industry is not going to make it through this. And so there's half the restaurants to go to. And then there's also the dynamic of people who have never cooked in their whole entire life started cooking in the last three months. And so I don't know how that's all going to play out, which is probably the one thing I can't control in this. But personally, I think for the catering brands, micro packages, um, really scaling down and just trying to, to get into a daily or weekly rotation with our customers. So whether it's like a meal pan or just something that like, engages them to speak with us. So more communication between the brand and the individual. When it comes to the fast casual restaurants, um, 
I'm not doing a ton other than um, I probably will scale down the menu. Um, I tried scaling it down recently and it didn't go so well because after eight years in business, it's very hard to adjust, but I probably will scale down the business. And then in the fine dining, we're definitely scaling down the menu. We already have. Um, and I haven't seen too much backlash for it. And we're adding um, an omakase because it's more of an experience. So like a yakitori omakase. Mm-hmm. And so we're focusing on different things. Um, Tech-wise, uh, I don't think there's going to be too many automations that we're putting in. I mean, we use the QR codes for like the menus and things like that. But I don't think that that's going to be um, like a game changer. Maybe some printing costs are going to go down a little bit. Um, yeah, so I don't think I've reinvented the wheel in any of the operations. I think we're just really focusing on customer communication and and really trying to just get back to our roots, which is like build the community back up. You know, one thing that I loved about your restaurant and I, I love about downtown LA is it's community. Um, and you're going to see the people at your restaurant more than once every week or whatever, yeah. especially because yours is like so fun to hang out at. And like, you know, it's a, and so I feel like you're, I want to go back to that. I miss that. And I, I, I think we, I, I don't know, I personally got a little bit sidetracked with trying to do so much that I forgot kind of a little bit about the community element of it. And I'm, I'm trying to go back into that world. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It's an industry podcast. And at the conclusion of every interview, I like to give the guests an opportunity to talk directly to the audience. Is there anything you'd like to say to your hospitality brethren? Of course. Um, this too shall pass. I, I talked to a lot of people who have been in the industry for long periods before us. Uh, there was 9-11, there was the, the crash of the dot-coms, like, and all of those affected our industry. Our, our industry, unfortunately, I think gets affected from a lot of different elements um, that are very hard to control. And I think what, um, you know, I've said it multiple times, but what I think is the key factor for success through this is don't bury your head in the sand. Um, as soon as you uh, do that, I think everything will fall down. But I think if you're an operator and you understand the opposition and what's happening in front of you, take out the fact of the things you can't control. Like you can't control what's when people are going to reopen. You can't control how people are going to react and focus on the things you can. If you made deals with your landlords, every landlord is going to make a deal right now. I'm sure every operator has already done it, but this is something really important. Vendors, same thing. Vendors are, are in a tough place with you, but they will make deals with you. Um, Everybody. I mean, even, uh, you know, your sponsor Yelp, they'll work with you. They, they were offering some free ads to people. They were, they're offering, you know, things to, to help out. Everybody is that you use as a vendor relies on you to buy from them. And if you're smart and if you're proactive, you'll set up a cash flow system so that, yeah, it's going to suck. Maybe next year you're going to pay out a lot of your profits, but you're going to make it to, to next year. And I always make this reference in entrepreneurship, but if you have chips and you're in the casino, there's a chance you can leave and win. If you run out of chips and you have to leave the casino, that's it, you're done. And so figure out the way to allow yourself to live long-term. And if it's doing weird things that you've never done, okay, this is life. I, I ended up setting up these like government meal plans where I'm selling food that we normally sell for $30 for like seven bucks a plate. And yeah, I'm only making a couple dollars, but gives my guys hours, which is really important. I make a couple dollars uh, an order, which right now means a lot to our, our organization. And so I'm creative, I'm proactive, I'm going out there. And I think that resilience is what makes an operator successful. But right now it's more important than ever. And so 
Um, as always, I mean, I, I, I know Josh, you're, you've been one of the most helpful people as a peer. Um, whenever I ask you something, you, you, you even have the back end to my open table. So, um, I know, you know, you're, you're very helpful, but I would like to offer that to any of your, your viewers or listeners as well. If there's anything I can do, I'm happy to help. I mean, we have to come together and support each other. And last, last thing, but I don't know if anyone saw that the delivery fees got dropped in LA to 15%. Um, which I think New York, I also approve, but I think we're the only two cities in the U.S. that have approved that. That's restaurants banding together. 15% for an aggregator to take of our business, that makes their business very unattractive. They weren't profiting at 25 to 30. Now they need to look at new ways to, to get their income. And it's probably going to come from the client and not at our cost. And I know there's a lot of different schools of thoughts on this. I'm just going to point out the one that I love, which is restaurants band together they helped each other and they did something positive for our industry. And even if it is for short term, 10% of those orders to your bottom line is a lot of money. And so, oh. I, yeah. And so I feel like that's kind of what I want to do is I want to help the industry. I know that's why you started this podcast and I know that that's just your nature in general and that's hospitality for hospitality people. That's Chef Daniel Shemtov. To check out his current and upcoming projects, go to danielshemtov.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.